Welcome to Empowered by Women for Women. This podcast brings you inspirational women and their stories, their successes, and their experiences along the way. Join us to be challenged and inspired. Brought to you by Invintage and hosted by myself, Trudy Kerr. Now, today's guest is a well-known actress, an artist, a designer, and a very funny lady. Welcome, Isabel Warrington. Lovely to have you on the show. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really chuffed to be here. Thank oh, how you. lovely. <laughs> well, that's just wonderful. Well, listen, you walked in and I, one of the first things I said to you is, you are wearing a dress that you have not only designed, but it has your artwork on it. And we're going to talk about you as a designer, as an artist a little bit later on, but your LinkedIn profile describes you as an artist and a designer, but I remember you most fondly as the character Tanya in the huge stage production at the MCC of Mamma Mia. Is acting what you do or are you a designer or are you an artist? Well, I suppose I'm all those things that you mention. They are all aspects of my personality. They complement each other. So I kind of juggle them all. And it's not really difficult in a way because, um, you know, I'm not constantly acting and I'm not designing all the time. Um, So funnily enough, it sort of works out all the time. Well, you say that it works out, but let me ask you this question first. If you had to choose... That from today, mm-hmm. you can only do one of those three things. You can either be a designer, you can either be a, an artist, or you can be an actress. Which one would you choose? Ooh, very, very tough question, Trudy. A designer now, I think, at this time in my life. I think so. Well, let's talk about you as an actress and then come to you as a designer in a second, because now I'm intrigued. How did you get into acting? How did that come about from the very beginning? Well, like... All the other things that I do, really, it was a natural thing. It wasn't something that was deliberately planned. So I sort of fell into it, and and it was in my 20s. I I got involved in the stage and in theatre when I was about 18 um, through dance. And um, So dance is what you started with. So yes. you, you obviously studied dance or got involved in dance. Yes. What kind of dance are we talking about? It was jazz and modern dance, yes. And this was something you did as a teenager? or No, no. I started when I was 18. Again, it was pretty much by chance because a friend of mine said, listen, let's go to dance classes, you know. And, I mean, I had just left school. I had no idea whatsoever what I wanted to do with myself or what to do with myself even. And I just said, okay, yes, I'm coming. And I went. And at first I was absolutely terrible for the first few lessons. (laughs) I had 10 left feet. But little by little, I started to really enjoy it. I mean, the reason why I didn't stop going, because my friend stopped after a few classes. (laughs) This is really naughty, but I actually (laughs) took the money to pay for the term from my mother's little kitty because my mother didn't want me to go. She said, no. You nicked the money off your mother. (laughs) Does your mother know about this? No, she doesn't. But she does now. (laughs) 
<laughs> you stole the money from your mum from her kitty to have your first dance classes. Yes. So I thought, you know, I can't possibly stop now. A, because my mother's going to be proven right. And B, because now I've got to see it through to the end. You have to justify your, your terrible task of stealing money from your mother. Oh, my gosh. Isabel Warrington, I'm so looking at you in a different light today. Your poor mum. So you did, You had these dance classes, which got you onto stage, yes, I presume. Yes, which I absolutely loved. And I discovered the performer in me. They were the, some of the best years of my life. I just absolutely loved it, you know. I loved the music. I loved listening to different genre of music. And it was the whole thing. I loved dancing. I discovered how much I loved it. Were you good at it eventually? Well, eventually I got better. Let's put it this way. I don't think I'm fantastic, but I'm... <laughs> I can, you know, pull together a choreography sort of thing. And that kind of paved the way to, to acting, because um, I had gone away when I was about 26. I had gone away for a year to study design. Again, it was something I did because I worked at the bank at the time. That was my full-time job, believe it or not. No, I always knew this isn't right for me. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I thought, if I don't do something about this now, I'm never going to do it. So it was hard to leave it because it was a very secure job. Let me jump in there because a lot of young people are making their career decisions when they're doing their GCSEs or their O-levels. Well, I, I think it's... And a... they're making their career decisions for the rest of their life. You made a, cho a choice when you were 26 that actually what you were doing whilst it was very secure was not what you wanted to do for the rest of your life. Was it kind of risky at the time to kind of say, OK, I'm going to jack this in, I'm going to do something completely different? It took me eight years to finally take the plunge, believe it or not, because it was a very secure job. It was a pretty well-paid job. Obviously, there were prospects, there were perks to the job. And it was also, you know, again, always the battle, <laughs> you know, with my parents because they were very concerned. They thought, why do you want to leave such a secure job? Do the things you like, you know, after hours. Do your art, do your dance, do it after hours. But I thought it's not what I want to do. And, and if I spend more time in this place, I'm going to go crazy because it really went against the grain going to work every day I used to have there were times where I would be driving to work and think shall I just drive to the airport leave my car there and never come back it's, that's quite a desperate <laughs> position to yes. be in so you decided then that you were going to go and train as a designer yes again it was a bit of a leap in the dark please tell me you didn't steal the money from your mother's purse no I didn't okay, I had right. worked for that <laughs> I worked very hard, so I saved, you know, and I said, oh, I'm going to go. I went to Scotland for that year and I thought, I have to do this because if I don't, I'm going to get older and it's going to be harder because I become more established in what I'm doing. So I went there again, not quite sure what I wanted to do. I thought maybe a career in graphic design would be a good idea because I could earn money from that. Um, but it, it, it was a bit of a leap in the dark because I didn't even know if I liked graphic design. <laughs> anyway, so I did that. I came back after a year 
And I started applying for jobs. And sure enough, after a couple of months, I, I got uh, my first job in graphic design. Coming back to graphic design in a yes. minute. Because <laughs> we're still talking about acting right now. Yes. How did then the acting tie into that experience in Scotland? Okay, so up until Scotland, the only stage performances I had done were to do with dance. So when I came back, a friend of mine called me up and said, listen, I need an actor for the One Act Play Festival. That's MADC. Do you want to be one of them? And as usual, I said, yes. <laughs> so I just went in, you know, and I said, okay, here I am, sort of thing. Went through the rehearsal process and everything. And it really worked out. I, I It felt very natural for me to be there. Again, it wasn't something I planned at all to do. And I thought, okay. And then from there, I got, you know, another role and then another role and then another role. And then it was like, okay, this is great. You know, I seem to be good at it because I keep getting roles. So you fell into this. You I fell into you this. You didn't train to be an actress. No, you and then I started it. to train as I went along. You know, I would do master classes here and there. And obviously I learned a lot from different people. That's how it worked out. The so best role that you've ever done. What would you say that the role that you are most proud of in your acting career? Oh, wow. That's a really difficult one. I think probably it's when I played Shirley Valentine because that was quite a big role because, well, I was the only person on stage throughout. So it's, you know, it's a solo performance and you're, I don't know, two hours, two and a half hours there and it's just you. In fact, when I look back, I think, how did I do that? How did I do that? So I feel very proud and it's, it was as well a change from what a lot of people are used to seeing me in. A lot of people know me in panto. They know me in musicals and comedies. So for me, that was quite a challenge because there was a little bit of everything. There was the comic timing. There was the comedy. There was... You, you went through a really big emotional journey. There was deep sadness, you know. There was loss. There were a lot of emotions. And I was really happy that I... I pulled it off quite and there's something. no one to hide behind either no no you're the only person on the stage I was the only person on the stage yeah. is we know what, what role you're most proud of what is the role that you would most like to perform I think probably um the role that Betty Davis played in whatever happened to baby Jane okay I've never heard of that what is that okay it's um it's a two-hander I, I honestly that means there's don't two know. people in the production. Yes, okay, exactly. I honestly don't know if it was ever adapted for the stage. It's an old movie. Um, I think it's a black and white movie, actually. Um, but it is about these two sisters, um, both involved in show business. And it's all about the jealousy of one of them um, for the other one of them was a child star, the role that Betty Davis played. She was a, a big child star. And uh, the role that Joan Crawford played so, um, was somebody who became famous when she grew older. So she kind of stole the limelight from her sister. And it's a really uh, tense sh uh, scenario that's played out in their house. And um, Betty Davis is this psycho. She's a real <laughs> psycho, you know. 
Um, so there's there's a lot going on there, and it would be just I would just love to play a role like that. I'm going to go and. Look this up. And it's called Whatever Happened to Baby Jane? Yes, you must watch the movie. It's absolutely fantastic. So let's imagine that that does become a stage show. Mm -hmm. What theatre would you most like to play that in? Hmm, Good question. Well, I'd love to play it in the West End. (laughs) I don't know which theatre, to be honest, but, oh, God, that would just be the ultimate joy i guess now okay i now i'm going to come on to this next question because your your eyes just lit up like a passion fire deep within so you obviously still have a massive passion for acting and i saw you in mamma mia just a number of years ago uh, as tanya you you just took over the stage and your presence was enormous But I'm asking you a question on behalf of women and women everywhere. When I asked you which was the role, whether it be design, art or acting, that you are, if you had to choose any one, you said designer. Mm -hmm. Because as an older woman, you felt like your acting days were over. No, not at all. Oh, no. In fact, now, I think because, number one, because I've, played a lot of different roles now the in these last few years the roles that I've been chosen for have had a lot more oomph to them they've they've had a lot more gravitas and I find that a lot more challenging and a lot more exciting I don't want to do just comedy I don't want to do just panto or just musicals for me to have a really meaty character that I can really sink my teeth into is much more exciting for me now. And no, not at all um, do I think that my acting days are are past. I mean, the fact that I have talents in different artistic uh, genre or whatever is... I am lucky in a way because there are times where I would rather... where acting is my number one. There are times where design is my number one. There are times when painting is my number one. I go through phases. And the the reason will be usually because I'll have an idea in my head and because my life at the time would be best suited for that particular um, aspect of my creativity. And now, to be honest, the reason why design is something that I find extremely appealing is because I've kind of learned how to design my own life. And it's something that I'd really like more people to do. And I would love to inspire people to do that more. What does that mean, design your own life? Okay, I know this sounds a bit poncy, maybe, but... So many people <laughs> feel disempowered, really, about their lives. And they think, oh, I, you know, I would really love to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. But, you see, I have this and I have that and they have I a don't have this. Or they have a family to support. Yes. Or, or they have uh, a card that they're paying payments on. Yes. And 
I've learned in a way through my own hardships. Now, obviously, everybody's life is different. And I have sort of spent my life fighting a kind of defeatist attitude where I think, oh, no, I could never have that because blah, blah, blah. But in these last 10 years, which have probably been the most challenging years of my life, for material reasons mostly, I've really learned how to actually get to where I want to despite the hardships. Well, you just said that back there that you couldn't get to where you wanted or you couldn't achieve something because of blah, blah, blah. Quanti- I had. Quantify that. What is it that you couldn't have because of what, what, what? Oh, let me, let me think. Oh, God. I didn't have enough confidence. I didn't have enough self-confidence. So let's say, I don't know. Let's say I wanted the life that I have now where I've got freedom. Um, I am my own boss. I manage my own time. Um, uh, I Every aspect of my career, I absolutely love and I relish. And I always used to think that that was unachievable. There had to be something I hated it within, you know, within the day or within the spectrum of what I do. There had to be something I really didn't like. But now I realize there doesn't have to be such a thing. You can actually make your life by following actually what you enjoy doing the most. What's the sacrifice? What's the payoff? Well, the payoff is the freedom. God, I mean, for me, that is the most valuable thing I have. I, I love being free. I love this freedom. The challenge has been paying, paying the mortgage, paying the bills and all, all, you know, the mundane everyday things. And you think, you know, how am I going to get to this figure when at the moment all I'm seeing is this figure, which is way below that? And I just thought, you know, there has to be a solution. There has to be a solution. And I did find the solution. And the solution is what? The solution is follow your bliss. So if there is something that you want to pursue and something that you really love, focus on it. It might not come straight away, but never focus away from it. Say, look, this is where I'd like to be. Now, how am I going to manage things in such a way that I'm going to get there. I might not go in a straight line. There might be a few detours along the way. But it's only temporary. Ultimately, the goal is there. And that is where I want to end up. That's the target. Trying to put this very delicately. Yes. (laughs) Do you think that this freedom and this confidence that you have now to live the life that you've always wanted, to be your own boss and follow the dream that you've always had, has come with age. Yes, delicately, I suppose. Delicately oh, yes. Oh, please. I, 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 don't feel, I don't feel embarrassed about my age. I'm very proud of my age, to be honest. You know, I never think, oh, God, I'm 53. How old I am. I never think that. I say, like, 53, woo-hoo, there's still a lot more. Left. So, no, yes, it came with age, but mostly really with trial and error and experience, with life experience. And I always think if I knew then what I know now, would I have got there quicker? Possibly. 
maybe yes, maybe no. This is the time in my life where I discovered it. I do think that people could reach that milestone in their lives earlier on if we're taught in that way. There still is a lot of this perception like you can't make a career from the arts. How can you ever survive from a career? And in Malta, even less. How are you going to make it? How are you going to make it? Well, hello. Here I am. I've made it. I've made it. Where, does, I... where does that come from? Because you said yourself, you started off in as, working in a bank and you decided that you were going to go and be a designer and your parents weren't keen on the idea. Is it a generation thing? Is it a cultural thing? Is it the way that Malta is? Does Malta not appreciate the arts? I think we're still way behind. Um, uh, in, in, I think it's a combination of the two. It is a generational thing. But I still have parents who are even younger than me say, oh, yes, you know, my kids is really good at painting, let's say, but I don't encourage him to do that because... You know, how is, what's he going to do with it? I mean, how is he going to earn a living? And I haven't heard it once. I've heard it many times. And I still hear it to this day. And it's like, of course you can. If he loves it, if you love something, you're going to succeed. I mean, the chances are you have a much bigger chance of success. And success by success, because that's another thing, I think, that people perceive success just as having a lot of money and being able to buy this, that and the other. I'm not a millionaire by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like a millionaire because I think I've got the most precious thing. I've got a, a life where I wake up in the morning and I'm excited about the day. I don't get up and like, I'm like, oh, God, I've got to do this and this and this. And then at the end of the day, when I'm, when I'm on my last legs, you know, and I'm about to, to crash out because I'm so tired, I'm going to do something I like. I don't think that that's the way we are meant to live. I think we're meant to enjoy life. And the irony is that when I moved to Malta and over the last 16 years that I've been here, I've been astounded by the quality of musicians, of singers, of performers, of artists, of dancers, of painters. Of This is a country full of artists of all different genres. And yet, there are so very few of them that do it full time because they feel like they have to have another job to support what they do yes but it's a rare story and you are a rare story so how do we change this it's really sad and and to be honest during the 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 pandemic time you know when, when we when this happened last year when everybody was in a bit of a limbo like okay so we all have to stay indoors and now what are we going to do it really made me realize the value of the arts because they have they really keep they keep you sane they keep you they make you feel alive they challenge you psychologically and emotionally you are challenged by the arts and it it is so important you can't value it in terms of money it's it's something that's way above that it's it's much much more valuable than 
money, you know, you cannot think of it just in terms of money. Now, I know we need money to survive, but we also need our sanity and our well-being to survive. But how do you convince a young lady who's maybe in her early 20s, who is an incredible artist or a great singer or a budding young actress or any of the other genres of art that we're talking about here, how do you convince that young lady whose parents are saying, no, 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 finish, finish your accountancy degree. Finish what, what that, that's where you need to go. That's where the money is. And her boyfriend has got a very nice car and she's saving up for a very nice car and she's saving up for her first home and these sorts of things. How do you motivate that young person to follow what's in their heart and follow the arts rather than going down the path of this is the safe bet? Um, well, I would say, what, what, where would you like to see yourself in, I don't know, 20 years' time? Would you like to be in a secure job, um, hate the, you know, waking up every morning and dreading doing this job? Or feeling almost, you know, in a state of, of numbness. You think, okay, let me just get go through the motions. I don't enjoy it. I don't hate it. But I'm kind of numb, you know, comfortably numb sort of thing. Or would you like to live a life that's a, a little bit more um, possibly, it doesn't necessarily have to be unstable, um, but let's say not, not so mainstream, but every morning you wake up and you feel passion, you feel joy, you feel energy because what you are doing is giving you that energy to get up in the morning. Now, it might not work out that way. For all you know, you might start to love accountancy for all you know, because it might take you down a route that, I don't know, maybe you might end up working for some fantastic um, company and perhaps you would need your creative skills there for all you know you know you never know but if you have a dream and if you have a passion never let it go never let it go that's what I would tell them so if you think that ultimately you would like to do that I would say do it do it what's the worst that could happen post-pandemic yes are we going to see the arts coming back as, as 2019? Because in 2019, we were having the big concerts, the big stage productions. We were having art, art galleries, art exhibitions. I felt that in 2019, Malta was heading in a really good, positive, creative direction. Are we going to have that come back post-pandemic? I think gonna, it's... Are we going to see you on stage? Well, I hope so. <laughs> I I think it's going to take time because it you know, the arts has taken a massive blow. Um performers still desperately want to perform, but there are a lot of challenges now, especially with laws are changing, rules are changing, all the regulations, quite a challenge. And it really is um thanks to people's huge passion to get back in there, that things are 
slightly changing, but I mean, we're still way behind and we need help. The arts desperately need help in order to get back to where they were. It's not going to happen now. It's going to happen, hopefully, maybe we'll get close to where we were in 2019. Maybe, I don't know. This is a guess off the top of my head, maybe in three years' time. Because there were already huge challenges happening there, let's say, in the performing arts. Because you had a much wider spectrum sort of thing, you know, there, there were more productions happening, you know. What's your hope for Malta? What is your hope if you could see three years time? What would you love to see happening in Malta? With regards to theatre? With regards to the arts. To the arts. Well, I really hope that perceptions change, especially with younger people. Um... I, um, and it is something I, I'd like to participate in, in the sense I would like young people to feel safe going into the arts and to feel it's okay to to take that, you know, that passion that they feel that, and make it their life because it's definitely possible. And the more people do that the more recognition there's going to be that this is this is possible there it's absolutely possible and apart from that there's also the whole big wide world out there you know yes that's that i think that's the thing i would like to see the most that's young people are empowered to to take it on as a career isabel warrington it is always wonderful to talk to you you are the most smiliest person on the planet can you give us a goodbye from tanya goodbye darlings 